0: But before we get to tonight's reading, I just want to thank all of our patrons on patreon.com. Margaret Geary-Merkel, Gabrielle Hoyle, Kathy English, and a very special shout-out to Aileen. Thank you all so, so much for being a part of making the Sleepy Podcast. And for anyone who doesn't know... All of these wonderful names I just read are brand new patrons on Patreon.com, where you can go and support creators of The Workday Light. So if the Sleepy Podcast has helped you get a better night's rest, and you'd like to have your name read in the opening credits of the next show after you donate, just go to Patreon.com slash Sleepy and donate at least a dollar a month. That's Patreon.com slash Thank you. And as always, the music you're hearing is by my good friend James Lepkowski, and the cover-up for Sleepy is by Gracie Kanan. I hope you are all really enjoying your summer so far. I could not be happier that it is in full swing, and I'm also very happy to announce that I am currently back on the road in this wonderful little van for the next three weeks, Um, a trip that I stopped short when the pandemic happened. I am on my way out to California right now, traveling across the country, and it is so nice to just be driving on the open road. I am currently recording from a cornfield in rural Illinois. You may be able to hear some Birds in the background, some very noisy birds that have been preventing me from recording anything for more than a few minutes. So tonight, I'm going to be reposting a wonderful reading of Pinocchio by Carlo Collodi. This was a favorite reading for many of you uh, last summer when it was posted. And um, I really love that story. So, until I find a nice, quiet spot to read you something new, please enjoy this reading of Pinocchio by Carlo Collodi. And if you'd like to follow me and the Sleepy Podcast as we explore across America, you can find me on Instagram at Sleepy Alright, that's enough of me babbling. And now's the time for you to fluff up your pillow just how you like it. Feel yourself melt into your bed. Get real comfortable. Close your eyes. And let me read to you. Chapter 1 How it happened that Mr. Cherry, the carpenter, found a piece of wood that laughed and cried like a child. There was once upon a time, a king, my little readers will shout together, No, children, you make a mistake. Once upon a time, there was a piece of wood. It was not the best, but just a common piece of wood, such as is used in stoves and fireplaces to kindle the fire and warm the rooms in winter. How it happened I cannot tell, but the fact is that one fine day this piece of wood just happened to be there in the shop of an old carpenter whose real name was Mr. Antonio, but everyone called him Mr. Cherry because the tip of his nose was always as red and shiny as a ripe cherry. As soon as Mr. Cherry noticed this piece of wood, he was delighted. He rubbed his hands together joyfully and said, This has come at exactly the right moment. It is just what I need to make a leg for my little table. Then, without hesitating a moment, he took his sharp axe to strip off the bark and the rough part of the wood. But just as he raised his axe for the first blow, he stopped with his arm in the air, for he heard a very tiny voice begging him gently, don't strike me too hard. You can imagine old Mr. Cherry's surprise. He looked around the room to see where the tiny voice had come from but he saw nobody. He looked under the bench. Nobody. He looked in the cupboard, which was always shut, but there was nobody. He looked in the basket of chips and sawdust. No one. He opened the door and looked out into the street. No one. What was to be done? I see, he said at last, laughing and scratching his wig. I must have imagined that tiny voice. Now, let's work. He raised his axe again, and down it went on the piece of wood. Oh, you hurt me, complained the same tiny voice. This time Mr. Cherry was struck all of a heap. His eyes stood out of his head, his mouth was wide open, and his tongue hung out over his chin as you see on some fountain masks. As soon as he could speak, he said, trembling, shuddering with fright, where did that tiny voice come from that cried, oh, there's not a living soul here. Is it possible that this piece of wood has learned to cry and complain like a baby? I can't believe it. This piece of wood, just look at it. It's nothing but a piece of firewood, like all the others. When you put it on the fire, it will make a kettle boil. Well then, is someone hidden inside it? If there is, so much the worse for him. I'll attend to him. And he took the poor piece of wood in both hands, and without mercy started to beat it against the wall. Then he stopped and listened to hear if any tiny voice were complaining this time. He waited two minutes, nothing. Five minutes, nothing. Ten minutes, still nothing. Now I understand, he exclaimed, laughing and pulling his wig. I must have imagined that tiny voice that said, Oh, I'd better do my work. And because he was very frightened, he began singing to encourage himself. Meanwhile, he put the axe down, and taking his plane, began planing and shaping the piece of wood. But while the plane went to and fro, he heard again that tiny voice, which said, laughing, stop. You're tickling me. This time, poor Mr. Cherry dropped as if struck by lightning. When he opened his eyes, he was sitting on the floor. He was so changed you could hardly have recognized him. Even the end of his nose, which was always red, had turned blue with fright. Chapter 2 Mr. Cherry gives the piece of wood to his friend, Geppetto, who plans a marvelous puppet that can dance and fence and turn somersaults in the air. At that moment, somebody knocked on the door. Come in, said the carpenter, but he was too weak to stand up a little jolly old man came into the shop. His name was Geppetto. But when the boys in the neighborhood wanted to tease him, they called him by his nickname of Polandina because of his yellow wig, which looked very much like a dish of polenta. Geppetto was very short-tempered. Woe betide anybody who called him Polandina. He simply went wild, and no one could do anything with him. Good morning, Mr. Antonio, said Geppetto. What are you doing down there? I am teaching the ants how to read. Much good it may do you. What brought you here, Mr. Geppetto? My legs, Mr. Antonio. I've come to ask you a favor. Here I am, ready to serve you answered the carpenter, getting to his knees. I had an idea this morning. Let us hear it. I thought I would make a fine wooden puppet, a really fine one, that can dance, fence, and turn somersaults in the air. Then, with this puppet, I could travel around the world and earn my bit of bread and my glass of wine. What do you think about it? Bravo, Palandina, cried that same tiny mysterious voice. When he heard the name Palandina, Mr. Geppetto became so angry that he turned as red as a ripe pepper. He turned to the carpenter and said in a fury, Why do you annoy me? Who is annoying you? You called me Palandina. No, I didn't. Oh, perhaps I did it, but I say that it was you. No. Yes. No. Yes. And as they grew more and more excited, from words, they came to blows. They seized one another's wigs and even hit and bit and scratched each other. At the end of the fight, Geppetto's yellow wig was in Mr. Antonio's hands and the carpenter's gray wig between Geppetto's teeth. Give me my wig, said Mr. Antonio. You give me mine, and let us make a peace treaty. So the two little old men, each taking his own wig, shook hands and promised to be good friends forever. Now neighbor Geppetto,
1: said the carpenter,
0: to prove that they were friends again. What can I do for you? I would like to have a little piece of wood to make my marionette. Will you give it to me? Mr. Antonio, pleased as punch, hurried to his bench and took the piece of wood which had frightened him so much. But just as he was giving it to his friend, it shook so hard, that had slipped out of his hands and struck poor Geppetto's shin. Ah, this is a fine way to make me a present, Mr. Antonio. You have almost lamed me. Upon my honor, I didn't do it. Oh, so I did it then. It's all the fault of this piece of wood. Yes, I know the wood hit me. So you threw it at my legs. I did not throw it at you. That's a lie. Geppetto, don't insult me. If you do, I shall call you Polandina. Blockhead, Polandina. Donkey, Polandina. Ugly monkey, Polandina. When he heard himself called Polandina for the third time, Geppetto, blind with rage, rushed at the carpenter, and the second fight was worse than the first. When it was over, Mr. Antonio had two more scratches on his nose, and Geppetto, two buttons less, on his jacket. Honors thus being given, they shook hands again, and vowed to be good friends forever. Then Geppetto took the piece of wood, and thanking Mr. Antonio, went limping home. Chapter 3 Geppetto goes home and makes his puppet. He calls him Pinocchio. The puppet gets into mischief. Geppetto's little room on the ground floor was lit by a window under the stairs. His furniture could not have been simpler. An old chair, a tottering bed, and a broken down table. At the back of the room you could see a fireplace with the fire lit. But the fire was painted, and over the fire was painted a kettle boiling merrily with a cloud of steam that was just like real steam. As soon as he arrived home, Geppetto took his tools and began to make his puppet. What shall I call him? He asked himself. I think I shall call him Pinocchio. That name will bring him good luck. I once knew a whole family of Pinocchios. There was Pinocchio the father... Pinocchio, the mother, and Pinocchio, the children. And they all got along splendidly. The richest of them was a beggar. Having thought out a name for his puppet, he started his work with great determination. He made his hair, his forehead, and his eyes in a very short time. As soon as the eyes were finished, Imagine his bewilderment when he saw them moving and looking at him. When Geppetto saw those two wooden eyes looking at him, he did not like it at all, and he said angrily, Naughty wooden eyes, why are you staring at me? But no one answered. After the eyes, he made the nose, but just as soon as it was finished, it began to grow. It grew and it grew, and in a few minutes' time, it was as long as if there was no end to it. Poor Geppetto worked fast to shorten it, but the more he cut off, the longer that insolent nose became. After the nose, he made the mouth, but before he had finished it, he began to laugh and poke fun at him. Stop laughing, said Geppetto. But he might as well have spoken to the wall. Stop laughing, I say, he shouted menacingly. The mouth stopped laughing and stuck out its tongue. However, as Geppetto did not want to spoil the puppet, he pretended not to see it and continued his work. After the mouth, He made the chin, then the neck, the shoulders, and the stomach, the arms, and the hands. As soon as the hands were finished, Geppetto's wig was snatched from his head. He looked up, and what should he see but his yellow wig in the puppet's hands? Pinocchio, give me back my wig at once. But Pinocchio, instead of giving back the wig, put it on his own head and was almost hidden under it. This cheeky, mocking behavior made Geppetto feel sadder than ever before in his life. He turned to Pinocchio and said, You scoundrel of a son. You are not even finished and you already disobey your father. That's bad, my boy. Very bad and he wiped away a tear. There were still the legs and the feet to make. When Geppetto had finished the feet, he received a kick in the nose. It serves me right, he said to himself. I should have thought of it before. Now it is too late. He took the puppet in his hands and put him down on the floor to see if he could walk, but Pinocchio's legs were stiff and he did not know how to move them. So Geppetto led him by the hand and showed him how to put one foot before the other. When the stiffness went out of his legs, Pinocchio started to walk alone and run around the room, and finally he slipped through the door and into the street and ran away. Poor old Geppetto ran after him as quickly as he could, But he did not catch him, for the little rascal jumped like a rabbit, and his wooden feet clattered on the pavement, making as much noise as twenty pairs of wooden shoes. Catch him, catch him, cried Geppetto. But when the people saw that wooden puppet running as fast as a racehorse, they looked at him in amazement, and then laughed and laughed and laughed until their sides were aching. At last, by some lucky chance, a policeman came, and when he heard the clatter, he thought somebody's horse had run away from its master. So he courageously stood in the middle of the street with his legs apart in order to stop it and prevent any more trouble. From far away, Pinocchio saw the policeman barricading the street And he decided to run between his legs. But he failed dismally. The policeman without moving from his place picked him up by the nose. That ridiculous long nose that seemed made on purpose to be caught by policemen. And returned him to Geppetto. Who wanted to pull his ears to punish him for his naughtiness. Imagine what he felt when he could not find any ears and you know why because he had made him in such a hurry that he had forgotten his ears so he took him by the nape of the neck and as they walked away he said shaking his head menacingly you just come home and I'll settle your account when we get there at this threatening remark Pinocchio threw himself down on the ground and refused to walk. A crowd of idle and inquisitive people gathered round him. Some said one thing, some another. That poor puppet, said some of them, is right, not wanting to go home. Who knows how horribly that bad pedo might beat him. And others added, with evil tongues, Geppetto seems to be a good man, but he is a perfect tyrant with children. If we leave that poor marionette in his hands, he may tear him to pieces. In short, so much was said and done that the policeman let Pinocchio go and decided to take poor Geppetto to prison. He could not, for the time being, say anything in his own defense. But he cried like a cat, and as they walked towards the prison he whimpered, Wretched son, and to think I worked so hard to make a fine puppet. But serve me right. I ought to have known what would happen. What happened afterwards is almost too much to believe, and I shall tell you about it in the following chapter. Chapter 4 The story of Pinocchio and the talking cricket in which we see that naughty children do not like to be corrected by those who are wiser than they are. Well, I must tell you children that while poor Geppetto was led to prison through no fault of his own that rascal Pinocchio was left alone, ran home across the fields as quickly as possible. In his hurry, he jumped over high banks, thorn hedges and ditches full of water, like a kid or a young hare running away from the hunters. When he arrived home, he found the door ajar. Pushing it open, he went in and locked it securely after him. Then he threw himself down on the ground with a great sigh of relief. But the relief did not last long, for he heard someone in the room saying, Cree, cree, cree. Who is calling me? said Pinocchio, frightened. It is I. Pinocchio turned and saw a big cricket creeping up the wall. Tell me, cricket. Cricket. Who are you? I am the talking cricket, and I have lived in this room a hundred years or more. But now this is my room, and you oblige me by going away at once, without even turning round. I shall not leave, replied the cricket, until I have told you a great truth. Well then, tell me, and be quick about it. Woe to those boys who revolt against their parents and run away from home. They will never do any good in this world, and sooner or later they will repent bitterly. Sing away, cricket, just as long as you please. But as for me, tomorrow at sunrise I am going to leave, for if I stay here, the same will happen to me as happens to other boys. I shall be sent to school, and one way or another, by love or by force, I shall be made to study. You poor fool, don't you know that? If you spend your time like that, you will grow up to be a great donkey, and everyone will make fun of you. Be quiet, you good-for-nothing croaking cricket, shouted Pinocchio. But the cricket who is patient, and a philosopher too, instead of being offended by such impudence, continued in the same tone. But if you don't like to go to school, why don't you learn a trade, so that you may at least earn your bread honestly? Do you want me to tell you something? answered Pinocchio, beginning to lose his patience. Of all trades in the world, there is only one which really attracts me. And what might that be? To eat, drink, sleep, and amuse myself, and to lead a vagabond life from morning to night. Let me tell you, said the talking cricket, as calm as ever, that those who follow that trade finish nearly always in a hospital or in prison. Be careful. You cricket of ill, omen! if you make me angry, woe betide you. Poor Pinocchio, I am really sorry for you. Why are you sorry for me? Because you are a puppet, and what is worse, you have a wooden head. At these last words, Pinocchio lost his temper and, seizing a mallet from the bench, threw it at the cricket. Perhaps he did not mean to hit him, but unfortunately the mallet struck him right on the head. The poor cricket had scarcely time to cry, Cree, 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 and there he was, stretched out stiff and flattened against the wall. Chapter 5 Pinocchio is hungry, and he looks for an egg to make himself an omelette, but just as he breaks it in the pan, the omelette flies through the window. It was growing dark, and Pinocchio remembered that he had eaten nothing all day. There was a painful feeling in his stomach that closely resembled appetite. With boys, appetite grows fast. In fact, after a few minutes, his appetite became hunger. And in no time, he was as hungry as a wolf. His hunger was unbearable. Poor Pinocchio hurried to the fireplace where a kettle was boiling and put out his hand to lift the lid and see what was in it. But the kettle was only painted on the wall. Imagine his disappointment. His nose, which was already too long, grew three inches longer. He ran about the room, searched in every cupboard and in every possible place for a little bread, even dry bread. He would have been grateful for a crust or a bone left by a dog, or a fish bone, or a cherry stone and sure for anything he could chew. But he found nothing. Just nothing. Absolutely nothing. He kept growing hungrier every moment, yet he could do nothing but yawn. He yawned so tremendously that his mouth reached his ears, and after he yawned he spattered, and he felt as if he had not any stomach left. At last, in despair, he began to cry, saying, The talking cricket was right. I did wrong to revolt against my father and run away from home. If my father were here now, I shouldn't be dying of yawning. Oh, hunger is a dreadful illness. Suddenly, in a rubbish heap, he noticed something white and round that looked like an egg. In less than no time, he grabbed it. It was really an egg. To describe his joy would be impossible. You can only imagine it. He feared he might be dreaming. He turned the egg from one hand to the other and patted it and kissed it as he said, Now, how shall I cook it? Shall I make an omelette? No, it would be better to poach it, but perhaps it would be more tasty if I fried it in a pan, or shall I just boil it in the shell? No, the quickest way would be to poach it. I'm just dying to eat. Without further ado, he set a stewing pan over a brazier of red charcoal. Instead of oil or butter, he put some water in it, and when the water began to boil, tack, he broke the eggshell and held it over the pan that the contents might drop into it. But instead of the yolk and the white of an egg, a little chicken flew out, and, making a polite curtsy, said gaily, A thousand thanks, Master Pinocchio, for having spared me the trouble of breaking the shell. Take care of yourself and give my love to the folks at home. I hope to see you again. With that, the chicken spread its wings and flying through the open window was soon lost to sight. The poor puppet stood there, as if bewitched, with his eyes fixed, his mouth open, and the broken eggshells in his hands. When he recovered a little from his first bewilderment, he began to cry, and scream, and stamp on the floor in despair. And as he sobbed again, he said, Indeed, the talking cricket was right if I hadn't run away from home and if my father were here, I should not now be dying of hunger. Oh, hunger is a dreadful illness. My stomach was complaining more than ever and as he did not know how to quiet it, he decided to go out again into the village in the hope of meeting some charitable person who would give him some bread. Chapter 6 Pinocchio falls asleep with his feet on the brazier and when he wakes up in the morning, finds them burnt off. It was a windy, cold night. The thunder was fierce and the lightning as violent as though the sky was on fire. A bitter wind whistled angrily. Raising clouds of dust and making the trees tremble and groan. Pinocchio was frightened of thunder, but he was still more hungry than frightened. So he opened the door and ran as fast as he could to the village, which he soon reached, panting, with his tongue hanging out like a hunting dog's. But all was dark and quiet. The shops were closed, the doors and windows shut, and there was not even a dog in the street. It seemed a village of the dead. However, Pinocchio, driven by hunger and despair, gave a very long peal at the doorbell of one of his houses, saying to himself, this will bring somebody out. And indeed, a little old man with a nightcap on his head came to the window and shouted angrily, What do you want at this hour? Will you be so kind as to give me some bread? Wait, I'll be back at once, said the old man, believing that he had to do with one of those street urchins who amuse themselves at night by ringing doorbells and rousing good people who are sleeping peacefully. In half a minute, the window was opened, and the same voice called Pinocchio, Stand under the window, and hold out your hand. Pinocchio held out his hands, and a great kettle of water poured down on him, drenching him from head to foot, as if he had been, A pot of dry germaniums He went home Wet as a rag And exhausted himself With fatigue and hunger He had no strength to stand And so he sat down And put his wet muddy feet On the brazier Full of burning coal Then he fell asleep And while he was asleep His feet, which were wooden, caught fire and slowly burned away to cinders. Pinocchio slept and snored as though his feet belonged to someone else. At last, at daybreak, he was awakened by someone rapping on the door. Who is it, he called, yawning and rubbing his eyes. It is I, answered a voice, and it was the voice of Geppetto. Chapter 7 Geppetto comes home and gives Pinocchio the breakfast that the poor man had brought for himself. Poor Pinocchio's eyes were still half-closed and he had not noticed that his feet were burnt off. Thus, when he heard his father's voice, he tumbled down from his stool to run and open the door. But after staggering a couple of times, he fell his full length on the floor, making a noise as of a whole bag of wooden ladles falling from the fifth story. Open the door, cried Geppetto, from the street I can't daddy answered the marionette crying and rolling over on the floor why not because somebody has eaten my feet and who has eaten them the cat said Pinocchio seeing the cat who was just then playing with some shavings with his forepaws. Open the door, I tell you, Geppetto cried again. If you don't, I'll give you the cat-of-nine-tails when I get in. Believe me, I can't stand up. Oh, poor me, poor me. I shall have to walk on my knees for the rest of my life. Geppetto, thinking that all this complaint was just another of Pinocchio's tricks, decided to end it for good. He climbed up the wall and got in at the window. At first he was angry and scolded him, but when he saw his own Pinocchio lying on the floor, and really, without feet, his anger vanished. He took him in his arms. Kissed him and caressed him, spoke many affectionate words, and with tears on his cheeks, he said, sobbing, My dear little Pinocchio, how did you burn your feet? I don't know, Daddy, but believe me, it has been a horrid night. I shall never forget it as long as I live. It thundered and lightning, and I was very hungry. And the talking cricket said, It serves you right. You have been wicked, and you deserve it. And I said, Be careful, cricket. And he said, You are a puppet, and you have a wooden head. And I threw the hammer at him, and he died. But it was his fault, for I didn't want to kill him. And the proof of that is that I put the pan on the brazier. But the chicken flew away and said, Goodbye, I shall see you again. Give my love to the folks. And I got more and more hungry. And for that reason, the little old man with a nightcap opened the window and said, Stand under the window and hold up your hat. And I got a kettle full of water on my head. It isn't a disgrace to ask for a bit of bread, is it? I ran back home as quick as I could, and because I was so very hungry, I put my feet on the brazier to dry them, and then he came home, and I felt that my feet were burnt off, and I'm still so hungry, but I have no more feet, boo, hoo, hoo, and poor Pinocchio began to cry and scream so loudly that he could have been heard five miles away. Geppetto had only understood one thing, of all this jumble of words, that Pinocchio was dying of hunger. He took three pears out of his pocket and said, giving them to him, these three pears were my breakfast, but I willingly am giving them to you. Eat them, and may they do you good. If you want me to eat them, kindly peel them for me. Peel them for you, cried Geppetto, astonished. I would never have thought, my lad, that you were so refined and fastidious. That's too bad. We should get used from childhood to eating everything and liking it, for one never knows what might happen in this curious world. That's all very well, retorted Pinocchio, but I'll never eat fruit that isn't peeled. I can't stand skins. So that patient, kind Geppetto took a knife and peeled the three pears, putting all the peelings on the corner of the table. When Pinocchio had eaten the first pear in two mouthfuls, he was about to throw away the core. But Geppetto stopped him. Don't throw it away. There might be some use for it. Can you imagine I shall ever eat the core? cried Pinocchio, turning on him in a rage. Who knows? This is a curious world, replied Geppetto calmly. So the three cores, instead of being thrown out the window, were placed on the corner of the table, together with pairings. When he had eaten, or rather devoured the three pears, Pinocchio yawned, and then began to whimper, I am still hungry. But my son, I have nothing more to give you. Nothing, nothing at all. Only the peelings and the cores you left. All right, said Pinocchio. If there's really nothing else, I might eat some peelings. Then he began promptly. At first he made faces, but one after another, he quickly ate all the peelings, and after them the cores. And when he'd eaten everything, He clapped his stomach and said cheerfully, Now I feel better. You see, said Geppetto, I was right when I said you should not be so refined and fastidious about your food. My dear boy, we never know what might happen to us. This is a curious world. Chapter 8 Geppetto makes Pinocchio new feet and sells his own coat to buy him a primer. As soon as the marionette had satisfied his hunger, he began to cry and grumble because he wanted new feet. But Geppetto, in order to punish him for all his naughtiness, let him cry and complain for half a day. Then he said, why should I make you new feet, so that you may escape from home again? I promise, said the marionette, sobbing, that from now on I'll be good. All children, when they want something, tell the same story, replied Geppetto. I promise to go to school and study and do my best as a good boy should. All children, when they want something, say the same thing. But I'm not like the other children. I'm better than all of them, and I always tell the truth. I promise you, Daddy, that I shall learn a trade and be the staff and comfort of your old age. Geppetto tried to look very severe, but his eyes were full of tears, and his heart was full of sadness when he saw his poor Pinocchio in such a dreadful state. He did not say another word, but taking his tools and two little pieces of seasoned wood, he set to work as hard as he could. In less than an hour, the feet were ready, two well-shaped, nimble, swift little feet that might have been carved by a great artist. Then Geppetto said to Pinocchio, shut your eyes and go to sleep. Pinocchio shut his eyes and pretended to be asleep. And while he did so, Geppetto, with some glue, melted in an eggshell, fastened the feet in place. And he did it so neatly that no one could even see where they were joined together. As soon as Pinocchio discovered he had his feet again, he jumped down from the table where he was lying and began to gamble and dance around the room, nearly mad with joy. Now to prove to you how grateful I am, said Pinocchio to his father, I want to go to school at once. What a good boy but if I'm going to school, I must have some clothes. Geppetto, who was poor and had not a farthing in his pocket, made Pinocchio a suit out of flowered paper, a pair of shoes out of the bark from a tree, and a cap out of bread. Pinocchio ran to look at himself in a basin of water and he was so pleased with himself that he said, as he strutted about, I look exactly like a gentleman. Yes, indeed, answered Geppetto, but remember, it is not fine clothes that make a gentleman, but clean clothes. By the way, speaking of school, added Pinocchio, there's still something I must have, the most necessary of all, And that is, I have no primer. That's right. But how shall I get one? That's easy. Go to a bookseller and buy one. And the money? I haven't any. Neither have I, added the good old man, sadly. Pinocchio, although he was usually very cheerful became sad too. For poverty, when it is real, poverty destroys all joy, even in children. Wait, Geppetto cried suddenly, and jumping up, he put on his old coat, full of holes and patches, and ran out of the shop. In a little while he was back again, with a primer in his hand for Pinocchio but the poor man was in his shirt sleeves and it was snowing outside. Where is your coat, Daddy? I have sold it. Why did you sell it? Because it made me too warm. Pinocchio understood this answer instantly and he was so overcome by the feelings of his good heart that he threw his arms around Geppetto's neck and kissed him. Again and again. Chapter 9 Pinocchio sells his primer. They may go and see the marionettes. When it stopped snowing, Pinocchio started for school with his fine new primer under his arm. On the way he never stopped imagining all sorts of fine plans and he built a thousand castles in the air each one more beautiful than the other. He began by saying to himself At school today I shall learn to read in no time. Tomorrow I shall learn to write and the day after tomorrow I shall learn all the figures. Then I shall be clever enough to earn lots of money. And with the very first money I get, I shall buy my father the nicest new cloth coat. But why cloth? It shall be made of gold and silver with diamond buttons. That poor man really deserves it. For that I should be a learned man, he sold his coat to buy me a book in this cold weather too. Only fathers can make such sacrifices. While he was saying this, more and more excitedly, he thought he heard music in the distance that sounded like fife and drum. Fififif, zoom, 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 zoom. He stopped and listened. The sounds came from the end of the street that crossed the one which led to the school at the end of a little village near the sea. What can that music be? What a pity I have to go to school, otherwise. He hesitated, deciding whether to go to school or listen to the fights. Today I shall listen to the fights and tomorrow I shall go to school. This naughty boy said finally, shrugging his shoulders. No sooner said than done. He ran, and the farther he ran, the more distinctly he heard the tune of the fights and the beating of the big drum. Fa-fa-fa, fa-fa-fa, zoom, zoom, zoom. At last he came to a little square full of people who were gathered around a great building of boards and cloth painted in all colors of the rainbow. What is that big building? Pinocchio asked for a boy who seemed to live there. Read the poster. It is all written there, and then you'll know. I'd gladly read it, but I don't know how to read today. Bravo, Ninkumbu. I'll read it for you. Know then, that on that big poster... In fiery red letters, is written great puppet show. Is it long since the play began? It's just beginning now. How much does it cost to go in? Two pence. Pinocchio was in such a fear of curiosity that he lost his self-control. And without any shame, he said to the little boy, Pinocchio was in such a fever of curiosity that he lost his self-control, and without any shame, he said to the little boy, Will you lend me two pence until tomorrow? I'd simply love to, said the boy, laughing at him, but I can't today. I shall sell you my jacket for two pence, said the puppet. What could I do with a jacket of flowered paper, if it should rain and got wet? I couldn't take it off will you buy my shoes they're only good for lighting a fire what will you give me for my cap that would be a fine bargain a cap made of bread the mice might eat it right off my head Pinocchio was sitting on horns he was almost ready to make one more offer but he had not the courage he hesitated but at last he said will you buy this new primer for two pence I am only a boy and I do not buy anything from other boys said the other having more sense than the puppet I'll give you two pence for the primer cried an old clothes dealer who had overheard the conversation the book was sold at once And to think that poor Geppetto stayed at home, shivering in his shirt sleeves, because he had to sell his coat to buy that primer for his son. Thank you for listening to Sleepy. Good night.